Yay! Yay! Good morning. I sound like I'm on a roller coaster because I am, and it's so much fun here. You can sit down. That sounded so. You can sit down. No, I'm not your teacher. Hi, my name's Alicia. We just started off awkwardly. Hello. I'm one of the pastors here at Lakeside, and I'm excited, like I would be on a roller coaster. I'm just excited to be with you. Don't you want someone to be that excited for you? Thank you. See, Josh? See? <laughs> I, yes. I'm very excited, and if it is your first time here, I'm very excited. <laughs> Can I meet you after? I hope so. Maybe I've you're like, no, I'm going to divert my eyes to you. You're crazy. Um, but we, <laughs> we have a gift for you, and it's awesome. It's like this cup that keeps your um, drink very, very warm, even if you haven't drank it for two hours like I do. Are you a slow coffee drinker or a fast coffee drinker? Who's slow? Thank you. Thank you, slow. Fast, like you drink a whole pot of coffee. My husband, thank you. He's in the back. He raised his hand. He drinks all the coffee in the morning. I don't have any. Um, But this cup is awesome, and we want to give it to you just as a gift, just to say thanks for checking us out. Here at Lakeside, we just try to be real, relational, hopeful, and we're all about trying to transform this community for Jesus, you know? Um, And we love him. I love Jesus a lot. So another way that... I cannot talk today. Can we all see this right now? I need to drink my coffee faster. (laughs) This would help me. We have something exciting coming up, and I'm very excited about it. It's on October 10th. Does anybody know what it is? Baptisms. Woo! Has anybody been a part of our baptisms? Yes. Okay. So you're very excited. If you haven't, I just noticed they lowered the volume on my mic. It's really funny. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> and he's like, yes, I did. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, baptisms we usually do here at the gathering. It's awesome. We baptize people who have chosen to follow Jesus. But we are going to do our next baptisms at the lake. Yay! Now, some people are like awkwardly clapping for that because they're like, that sounds very cold. But you guys, do you see it's going to be 90 degrees today? Yay, fall in California. So on October 10th, we're going to head over to Negro Bar and we're going to be there from 1 to 6. So whether you're going to get baptized, you're going to celebrate someone getting baptized, or you don't know anyone, you just want to come support, come bring food, hang out. We... um, rented the entire area. And if you haven't been over to this area yet, they redid the whole thing. It's great for kids to play. There's a lifeguard there. It's awesome. So come hang out. If you're someone who has chosen to follow Jesus, but you haven't uh, got baptized yet, this is your moment, people. And it's awesome. The way that we do lake baptisms is it's not a one at a time thing. It's a like three people at a time thing. It's a ton of energy. It's so amazing and so transformative to watch. I've been following Jesus since I was in sixth grade and still to the last time that we did baptisms, I cry every time because you're like, man, God's spirit is still at work here, right? Yes, it is. And baptism shows that baptism is a like representation of life 
transformation. And that's what we're about here, and I'm so excited. So if you're gonna get baptized, you can scan, or want to, you can scan the QR code in the seat back in front of you and say, I wanna get baptized, and our team will follow up, but we're really excited about that. Cool? Cool, let's stand up together. You had your moment of chilling, let's stand back up. And we just wanna worship. Sundays are all about coming together. We do our day-to-day thing, right? But then we come together and we worship God through music, through seeking out his word, through talking to him. But we're doing it together, right? Remember when we couldn't be together? And then we, we realized, wow, being together is such a privilege, right? Like we, we weren't able to do this a year ago. We, we forget that so easily. So we got to celebrate that, right? Thanks, Jesus, for bringing us back together. You know, let's pray. Let's tell him that. Jesus, we love you. And I thank you for community. I thank you for this reminder of Sunday mornings where we're reminded we're not alone in this journey, God. That there are others trying to strive and just live for you, Lord. And we're connected in that way, God. And we look to you for that help, Lord. We come into this space to give you the glory in whatever happened this week, whether it's good or bad, that we want to come and we want to say thank you. We want to worship you in all of it because we know that you hold it all together, Jesus. You really do. And so in this next song, through these words we sing, I pray that they just won't just be something that just come out of our mouths, God, but flow from our hearts. It's an outpour of our heart right now, Lord. We love you. Amen. Will you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, you are our king. And we are so grateful for who you are and that you love us, that you pursue us. Lord, that you work in us. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory because that is what you deserve. And we are in awe of you and thankful to you. God, guide us, lead us, and draw us near to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Some of you are awake. Yeah, I am. uh, Man, I've had a weekend. And some of it does not have anything to do with my message, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. Uh, On Friday, I was invited to speak to uh, one of the most intimidating and terrifying groups of people that I have ever spoken to. Middle school girls. Uh, and, and I realized I had this new emotional experience on Friday. Maybe you've had this experience as well where um, you are simultaneously like taken back in years emotionally to like when you were younger while at the same time coming to this intense realization of how old you are. Have you ever had that? If not, I encourage you to hang out with middle schoolers. Because I was taken back to this place where of intimidation and like fear of talking to these middle school girls and that they were judging me and that they like hated my guts. All at the same time realizing like I'm old and, and just so out of touch. I mean, to give you an example, I'm talking to like 
12 to 14-year-olds, and I used a Tiger Beat reference. Do, do you guys know what Tiger Beat is? Like some of you know, if you don't know what Tiger Beat is, it was popular in the 80s, early 90s, even earlier 70s, and it was like the Fangirl magazine. You know, for many of you in this room, you know, you probably saved Tiger Beat and it had like David Cassidy on it or like Rick Springfield or, you know, somebody. And it was this big thing and I used Tiger Beat and I got back. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. And I was sitting there and I was in this position I haven't felt in a long time where I was like, you guys are so much cooler than I am. Like, I'm not cool anymore and I don't know what to do. And it just was this weird coming to terms with the reality that I'm almost dead. <laughs> uh, it was, that, was, that was what I felt like. But it, it was a lot of fun and they were actually really great. And we have an awesome middle school ministry uh, and so uh, they can use more people so they don't have to ask me to come and speak <laughs> anymore. Uh, so get connected to MSM. It's awesome. Uh, we are in a series called It's Not About You. And over the last few weeks, Brad has been teaching on these concepts of basically minimizing ourselves and sacrificing ourselves and all for the sake of what God calls us to. And one of the things about that is those concepts can sound daunting and overwhelming when we are called to make less of us. And if we don't have a clear why, it becomes exceedingly difficult to agree that, yes, this is what we need to do. Because the most important person in the room right now to you is who? Jesus. <laughs> but is that the way you live? And is that actual reality? Because I, I would argue that most of us, while we would affirm that, yes, Jesus is the most important, we live like we're the most important. And that our priorities are dictated largely by us and our preferences, our desires, and what we want and our self-gratification. And so we have to have a clear why. And that comes down to motivation. Right? We, we need motivation in our lives. And all of us get motivation in different ways. But we need motivation. Some of you, you know, your alarm went off this morning and you needed motivation to get out of bed. Right? Like you're like, oh, is church really that important? I don't want to go. You know, like I need motivation. And that's where children come into play. They come in, they wake you up, and you're like, well, I can't go back to sleep now. Might as well go to church. And we need motivation to get off the couch and go work out, right, to exercise. And we need motivation to do chores around the house and to accomplish things. And we have to have motivation in our lives. But the problem is motivation is fleeting because motivation is directly connected to emotion, and how we're feeling. And some days you wake up and you have all the motivation in the world and you're like, I'm gonna accomplish everything. I've got my task list, my goals. I'm gonna get it all done today and I'm going to accomplish it all. And then the next morning you wake up and you're like, I don't want to do anything. Because motivation comes and it goes. 
This happened to me yesterday morning. It was Saturday morning. I woke up and I was like, I'm going to get so much done today. It's a good day. It's a good morning. I'm excited. I'm going to get things done. I had my task list of house projects that I wanted to work on. And I was like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm getting up. I'm going to shower. I'm going to have my monsters, which I do. It's my energy. And I go, and it's like, okay, we need to reseal the lining in our bathtub. So I start peeling off sealant, the old stuff, and working on it. I'm sitting in the bathtub, cleaning it, and putting on new sealant, and I hear water running. I'm like, wait, water's running. But there's no water running in the house. And I can hear it. I'm like, what is going on? And I go, and I open up our crawl space. And I look under the crawl space, I hop down in there, and it's just saturated dirt and mud and a giant pool of water. And I have a flashlight and I can hear it just dumping water into our crawl space. And I'm not a crawl space guy. I don't like them. They creep me out. Like there could be things living down there. And I feel like we kind of have like a peace treaty. We're like, I don't know you're there. You stay out of the up upper part of the house. We can coexist. That's fine. I don't want to invade your space. So I stayed hunched right next to the hatch. So if anything did come out, I could quickly evacuate and shut the hatch. And I look around with my flashlight and I see this water just dumping down. And I will tell you, my motivation to get house projects done went out the window. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I get on the phone, I call a plumber. The plumber comes out. I'm like, hey, I don't know where it is, but just go crawl under the house because I'm not crawling under there. And so he goes, he finds it, and we have a pinhole leak in our house. And that phone call and that experience took all my motivation out for the day because my emotions changed. I was frustrated. I was irritated because it's like, oh, this is going to cost a lot of money. All of this stuff. And that happens to all of us. Motivation fluctuates. We need it, but it fluctuates. And we need something else to supplement motivation. We need purpose. And we need to have the right purpose. And the problem is, for a lot of us, we have been indoctrinated with a misleading purpose in life. And that purpose can be boiled down into me. I'm my purpose. Whatever gratifies me, whatever gives me power, success, whatever gives me authority, whatever gives me influence, whatever makes me the best over everyone else, that's my motivation. I want to be the best parent I can be. That's my motivation. But it's not necessarily the right thing, even in the way I phrase that. Did you catch it? Because I want to be the best parent I can be is about me. I didn't say I want to raise the best kids that I can. That the internal focus always comes back to me and our purpose gets tied up into me. The problem with that is it's a moving target. See, a purpose is something that is Taking motivation and keeping it going, it leads to discipline and it leads to an outcome. And if my purpose is about me, then it's always moving. Because if I set my purpose as I want to achieve a career goal, 
and get to this level. And then I get to that career goal, and it's like, well, what now? It's no longer my purpose. It's dynamic. It's moving. Or I want this amount of money in my bank account, and I get there, and I still feel empty. I need a new purpose, and it's moving again. It's always going from one thing to the next, and it is always tied into what gives me gratification in the moment. And with that moving target, we never reach our full potential because we are so scattered in our pursuits because we've made it about me. And I'm pretty fleeting. One day I want to accomplish one thing and the next day I want to accomplish something else. We need a static purpose. You see, in Proverbs 28, sorry, 29, 18, it says this, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom. Now, you may have heard it said a different way. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Vision is the same thing in this context as purpose, because it is your focal point. It is what you're focused on. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, which means there's no focus. They just go. And it leads to nothing. It leads to emptiness. It leads to dissatisfaction. But then it says, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions, which means that we listen to what God is calling us to. We listen to what God wants for us because he has a greater purpose in mind for us. And so we need to shed this idea of me being my purpose and my goal and rather embrace a greater purpose that God calls us to. And when we embrace that greater purpose, all of a sudden the idea of sacrificing myself or minimizing myself and elevating others above me and focusing on God, those don't seem like quite the sacrifice because I realize it's contributing to the ultimate purpose in my life. And we have to refocus on that. Oswald Chambers put it this way. As Christians, we are not here for our own purpose at all. We are here for the purpose of God, and the two are not the same. And the two are not the same. See, God has a very specific purpose for us. And when we align with that purpose, it gives meaning, and it gives significance, and it gives blessing. It also leads to transformation. But we, we have to get to a place where we recognize it's not about us. And you know, in, in addiction treatment, there's a saying that is usually kind of the lead-in saying when it comes to addiction, and it is that the first step to healing is admitting you have a problem. And I want to reframe that a little bit for this. And I want to say the first step to growing with Jesus is admitting you're the problem. Now, that may seem abrasive, but the reality is we get in our own way of our growth with Jesus because we focus on ourselves. 
And really, that's how our faith journeys start out, right? We, we look at Jesus and we say, oh, you died for me and you are going to give me this and it is going to change my life. And this, it becomes very internally focused. Growth is the step from this internally focused Jesus to this externally focused purpose. The thing I wish more people knew when they come to follow Jesus is that when you accept Christ, it becomes about the mission. You are empowered and commissioned into what God is doing, and that becomes your purpose. And the purpose is pretty simple. It's not complicated. It's not a a long theological treatise. It is really simple. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. You can go to version and open that up under the events section. You can find Lakeside. Click on that, and it'll have all the scriptures there for you. But I want to read to you two verses that summarize our purpose. It's fairly simple, and you know what? You've probably heard it before. But we have to embrace it and actually live it out. And it it is in response, Jesus is talking here in response to some questions from some Pharisees. And it's the precursor in his setup to the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he responds to them and he says this. He says, love the Lord your God. Sorry, verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. This is your purpose. Jesus later says that the entirety of the law, all the commandments, are resting on these two commandments. To love God and to love others. This is the crux of the Christian faith. We love God and we love others. That's our purpose. That's what we're called to. And notice that both of these commandments are external. They aren't focused on me. They're focused on God and they're focused on those around me. They are beyond me. Because the thing that gives us significance is not self-focus. It is loving others. That's what gives us significance. And Jesus goes on to say this in verse 28. Sorry, and Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So love God, love others, do this and you will live. Now, a lot of times when we read passages like this and Jesus says, you will live, we, we automatically eternalize it. We make it out like it's talking about when we die and when we go to heaven and we're Jesus, we will live eternally. But this verse is actually speaking to the present and future. He's saying, do this and you will live now and in eternity. It will transform your life now. It'll bring you life. It is your purpose. It will fill you up. It will invigorate you and it will lead you somewhere. If you love God and love others, it is going to help you to live. It will change everything. And it does change everything. Because if you incorporate this into your life and you begin to look at how you can incorporate it in all aspects, it becomes quite significant. 
becomes quite significant in multiple ways. If you go to work and you recognize that your purpose is to love God and love others, then one of the things that you do is you work to the glory of God, you interact to the glory of God. When you go to your kid's baseball game or soccer game, you're going to cheer to the glory of God. You're going to not yell at the ref to the glory of God. You're going to do everything to the glory of God. It infiltrates all of it. You're going to love your neighbor by not bad-talking the decision to put that kid in versus your kid. You're going to love your neighbor by complimenting their work and celebrating when they get credit for something that maybe you deserved. You see, when we incorporate loving God and loving others into our lives as the purpose, the greater purpose for us, it is not just this ethereal, spiritual thing that is kind of out there. It actually practically makes a difference. But it only makes a difference in a couple of ways. And you have to have this very specifically. If I love God and I worship God and I give God all the glory and I say, God, I love you, I'm giving you my praise, and then I love you, and you say, thanks, then it doesn't quite accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. You see, in the church community, I love God and I love you as my neighbor, and you love God and you love me as my neighbor. And it becomes mutually beneficial because we're tied in together. It is called interdependence where when we are interdependent on each other, we are all elevating each other. And so simply me loving you is not minimizing or me giving up who I am because you're loving me and you're raising me up. And we're supporting each other and we're encouraging each other and we go throughout life loving God and loving others and it works because we're all doing it, therefore we're all feeling the significance of that love. And then when we go out into the world with those who don't know Jesus yet, and we love God and we love them, yet they don't know Jesus, so they don't know to love us back, the love that we get from the community supports us. And it encourages us. And it leads us. So that we are on mission for that purpose. But it starts here. It starts with the community of believers and then it flows out into the world when we leave here and we go and we interact and we love God and we love others. And you know what? The way you love others is, in fact, a way of loving God. And so when you're leaving here, you have a job to do. You know where I I really struggle with this the most? Not the most, but it seems the most relevant in my mind right now. Elementary school pickup. When I go to pick up my kids from school and everyone is a terrible driver and they're all triple parked and they're all jaywalking, like someone's going to die in this. And I'm not going to feel guilty because they don't know what they're doing. And I want to honk. I want to say hello with maybe one finger instead of five. I want to do all the things I shouldn't do. And I've learned over the last month that I need to give myself enough time in that to love my neighbor, which means me being very patient. And it also means parking far enough away where I avoid traffic and I'll walk to get my kids. 
but it is a real thing. Like I get angry. And so I'm like, all right, guys, we're walking five blocks to the car. So we avoid this because I want to be loving to people. And that's just a reality. There are all sorts of like minuscule things in our lives where loving God and loving our neighbor become very practical. And we have to lean into that purpose because when we lean into that purpose, it becomes easier to do the things that God is asking of us. Like elevating others above ourselves. Like sacrificing of ourselves for the benefit of those around us. It becomes so much easier when we are willing to focus on the purpose God has given us and shed the purpose of me. Because the purpose of me leads nowhere. And so how do we do this? What are the baby steps that we can take to start off with this? Well, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The Apostle Paul's writing here, and I think he does something beautiful and clever all at the same time in this writing to the church of Corinth. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. He says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. Even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. These verses encompass a lot, but I just want to break down a couple of things. Paul here, he takes some menial tasks that are usually very me-focused. Whether you eat or drink. Okay, when, when I eat and drink, I'm thinking about me. It's all about me. It's the food I want, you know, the drink I want, all of that stuff. It's about me and my satisfaction with it. All of those things. And he's saying, no, take that and turn it outwards whether you eat or drink to the glory of God. Now, how do you do that? Are you supposed to like say hallelujah between every bite? Like what, what, what is the, the MO here? I, I'll explain to you the best way that I can. It, it's like this. I am an avid chocolate chip cookie lover. Like I love chocolate. But tangent, unpaid promotion. Crumble, gift from God. Okay, it's like crack, but it's like... Holy crack. Like, it is, it is amazing. Chocolate chip cookie there. Phenomenal, right? Now, the thing about chocolate chip cookies, you want the perfect chocolate chip cookie. It's like golden brown, okay? You take it out of the oven. You let it cool for maybe just like two minutes to where it's still warm. And the chocolate has that nice, like, glisten on it, which are just teardrops of angels. And then you peel it open, and it's kind of, it's slightly undercooked, just slightly, and the chocolate's stringy. To the glory of God is that description. It is that appreciation of what I'm about to consume is holy and beautiful. It is gratitude that when I eat that chocolate chip cookie, calories don't matter and hallelujah, right? Like that is the glory of God when I eat. It is that drink of water when you are so hot and parched that nothing could taste better and the appreciation that you have for it, that everything that you do becomes an act of worship and gives God glory for the beautiful things he has blessed us with. 
And Paul says, in whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Give God glory for the food that you eat, the drinks that you drink, for the cars that you drive, for the paved roads that you have, for the house or the roof that is over your head, for the interactions with your children and your friends, for the teachers that teach your children, for the volunteers that hold your babies. Whatever you do, give God glory. Love others. See, he starts off, give God glory, which is loving God. And then he goes on, do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. He's talking about both externally and internally. He's saying those that don't know Jesus yet and those that do, do not cause them to stumble. And the way that he is referring to that is by taking advantage of things and elevating yourself over and above them by prioritizing your wants, your desires, and your needs over those people. So love God and love others. And then he wraps it up and he says this, I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many so that they may be saved. You see, it's not about me. It's not about you. The purpose is to love God and love others. And I will seek the good of many over my own good so that they may be saved. And when we do that, we see transformation happen. We see wonderful, miraculous things happen. But we have to lean in to that purpose and not the purpose of me. And the first step to doing that is admitting that I'm the problem. Because I've grown up in a world that tells me that I'm the most important, that what I want is the most important, that what I deem is important is the most important. And that anyone who disagrees with me is less than. And the reality is it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about the purpose. The purpose of loving God and loving others. And when we do that individually and come together collectively, that's when transformation happens. That's when a community becomes changed for the glory of God. That is when we see lives fulfilled. When we do that, as Jesus said, we will live. We'll be invigorated and we will find meaning. And so as you leave here today, you have a job to do. You're on mission. That purpose of loving God and loving others. So when you're backing out of your parking spot here and someone else almost hits you, you have a decision to love God and love others. When you're driving, are you driving to the glory of God? When you go to your restaurant for lunch, are you tipping to the glory of God? Are you acting in a way that reflects Jesus? Because the purpose is to love God and love others, and that supplements our motivation so that we carry forward knowing it's not about us, it's about something greater. Will you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're not done with us. That you walk alongside us in this journey. That you lead us to growth. Lord, that you help us see where we need to improve, where we need to love more. Lord, guide us in this process of becoming more like you. 
Give us the endurance. Give us the strength, the resilience. Lord, give us grace. But Lord, empower us with your purpose. Let us embrace that driving force that is you. Let your Holy Spirit fill us so that in everything that we do, we glorify you and that we look to the good of many so that they may be saved. We thank you for who you are. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Well, like Ryan talked about today, you know, we are on this mission. We have this purpose together as a community. And, and our mission here at Lakeside is to transform as many people as possible into followers of Jesus. And, and we, do that, we do that together. It's not just something that happens um, on Sunday mornings. It's not just something that happens because of the pastoral leadership or the staff. It, it happens because we, we partner together in this mission. And every September we give an invitation to our church to become a covenant partner with Lakeside, which is just an, op- it's a, it's an opportunity for us to say, I'm in on the mission of Lakeside. And uh, there's some information on our website. This is the last weekend in September, so we'll, we'll kind of close up covenant partnership um, at the end of the month. But there's some information on the website, lakesidechurch.com. You can find uh, kind of all the FAQs and things about what does it mean to be a covenant partner. But in the simplest, clearest way, you can say it just says, if, I, if you're saying, I'm going to be a covenant partner, you're saying, I'm on mission with Lakeside. I'm on board with the mission. So we'd love to invite you to do that. Uh, another thing that we do each week here at Lakeside is give an invitation to give an offering to the church. And this is a way for us to fund the mission of Lakeside. And uh, you can give your offering on the way out in the boxes in the back of the room. Or if you're uh, on, watching online or if you'd prefer in the room here, you can text the word Lakeside Give. It's all one word, Lakeside Give, to 97000 and set up your online offering that way. So we'd love to invite you to participate in that way as well. Thank you guys so much for being here this weekend. Let's stand. We're going to sing one last song together. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so grateful to have you joining us. It just, it's the best. It's the best being able to just engage in community, whether it's in person or whether it's online. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing different. We still have the ability to call out the best in each other. I I see it happen in the chat every weekend. And again, if you have any interest in getting connected, but you're in a different state, in a different country, just in a different place where being here in person on Sunday is not an option for you. We do have other remote ways to get connected, to volunteer, to participate in the community that we have at Lakeside Church. And I highly recommend that you do that. So if you have any questions about care, about events, about groups, about what we have going on in this next season, you can text Lakeside. That's Lakeside to 97000. It's our digital front desk. It's going to get you connected to either myself or Christina, who heads up our guest service team. And we will be happy to point you in the direction of anything that you need or any resources that you're looking for. That's Lakeside to 97000. Also, lakesidechurch.com is the best place where you can find all of that information as well. See what's coming up in the life of our church. Last weekend for Covenant Partnership. It won't be there next weekend. We're going to have some other things on the website and uh, talking about 
everything going on in October. So make sure you jump on, uh, pray about covenant partnership, participate, get excited, plan and mark your calendar for baptism. Uh, come out, bring the family. It's going to be a fun picnic time. You don't have to be participating in baptism to be there and to cheer and to just enjoy the community. Again, another awesome opportunity we have to get together and just to encourage one another and call out the best in one another. So uh, thank you again so much. Uh, hello to my daughters and my wife watching online as well. I'll see you guys after the gatherings. I love you. And to everybody else online, take care. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week.